You may have heard the saying, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. And my sister, when we were younger, probably wished a couple of times that she could have traded me in. I remember specifically one day when riding my bike with my friends, I saw her on the front yard and I decided it'd be a fun idea to chase her around. And it was fun until I ran over her leg and um, it stopped being fun. Uh, she probably wished at that moment in time that she had a different brother, maybe one that was a little bit more considerate. And oftentimes in, in families, we have these conflicts. And while this story is a little bit extreme, oftentimes the conflicts aren't for such extreme reasons. Sometimes it's because there are differences in family members. Uh, families uh, consist of a group of people that act as one unit, but they're different individually. Each member can be drastically different. And these differences can be strengths, you know, it's nice to have a dad who can open a jar of pickles or show kindness in a way that others can't, or to have a, a child that shows leadership to their siblings and is a good example for them. I know that when I was younger, my sisters were very often the example for me instead of me for them, even though they are younger than me. But sometimes these differences can also cause friction. Some family members may value something more than another does. Um, some of them have different preferences or different different uh, leanings. Some of them might be more compassionate while others might desire more order and structure in the home. Even though the families have all these differences, they're, they're caused, or they, they, they are one unit. They're, they're meant to work as one together. And there's another relationship that we see as believers that is similar to this. And that example is the church. And when we're talking about the church here today, I want you to know that we're talking both about the local church, but also the church at large, the church around the world. This church around the world and this church at, at home here and in our local areas, um, they consist of many different people that are all working together um, to accomplish God's mission here on earth. And that's uncomfortable for us because let's face it, there's a big bunch of us and we are not all the same. Culturally, across the world, there are differences. I remember my time when I served as a missionary in Bangladesh, some of the differences that I encountered. For instance, did you know that in Bangladesh, it's perfectly normal for a fully grown man to come beside you and hold your hand for an extended period of time? This is like a sign that they're friends with you or that they treat you like a brother. And so it's not uncommon to hold someone's hand uh, regularly. Someone will just come and hold your hand as you walk down the street or while you're standing somewhere. For me, that was a shock at first, but it was just something that was culturally different. I remember another time in Bangladesh when we were eating, I think it was a, a birthday celebration. <clears throat> and the, one of the more prominent figures of, at the celebration wanted to feed me some cake. So he took his hand and he put it into the birthday cake. He picked out a piece and it was intending to push this cake into my mouth. So being a missionary in a foreign land, I accepted the customs and I opened my mouth and he put it in there. Okay, it was great, everything was fine but now it was my turn. He expected the same thing in return. So me nervously shaking because I didn't know, I was, I never fed, fed somebody this intimately before, reached into the cake, grabbed some out and reached for his mouth. The first time was a failure. I dropped it on the floor because I didn't get nearly close to it enough to his mouth. And he kind of just gave me this look like, are you serious, dude? And I was like, okay, I gotta make this right. So I went back into the cake. I pulled out another piece and this time I got closer so close that I could feel his breath on my fingers as I popped it right into his mouth. And that was, that was just something that was different. It was different culturally, but it was a, a time of sharing between us. 
Uh, and those are, that's just one different culture. Across the world, there are many different cultures and different ways of doing things. We're different from each other. We're not all the same, but we're all called into this one body. Besides these kinds of differences, we can run into um, just the way we do things is differently. Different countries and different cultures, they may worship God in drastically different ways than what we're used to. And that may make us uncomfortable at times. There's also differences in languages. I mean, going to another country and having to speak through a translator or having a, a translator in the church so that everybody who's there can understand what's going on can be challenging for us. Uh, the, culturally, over, across the whole church as a, as a large group, there's so many differences, but yet we're called to be one together. And even personally, there are differences. People that you know um, and you share things with, uh, and like when you live close to them, there are differences between them too. Some of them may have greater compassion and see the need to, to minister to the, to the needy and, and, and may place that as a higher priority. Some of them might prioritize administration and order. We have a group of people that are so different from each other working together as one. And this is not a new thing. The early church had some of these same struggles and realizations. We're not different from them that much in that way. I would say the only thing that maybe we're different in is that sometimes we tend to, to group together in people in groups that we understand more often than what the early church did. <clears throat> and the Apostle Paul addresses this fact in his letter to the Corinthian church. The passage that we're looking at today is going to be in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, starting in verse 12 and, and going forward from there. This first passage is just 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 3. And here Paul identifies and he reminds this group of believers that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they have been joined together as one. So why don't we read that together, starting at verse 12. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. And he says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. So this is a time uh, where this early church um, in, in Corinth has this group of different believers. And he gives special attention to the fact that there's Jews, and that there's Greeks, that there's slaves, and that there's free people inside of this church. And just to give you some context on how different these groups of people are, uh, let's, let's talk about them a little bit. So the, the Gentiles or the Greeks in Corinth, uh, their culture, where they came from, would have been so different from the, from the Jews. In Corinth, they would have worshipped many different gods. It was a very common thing. Status was very important to them. There's different levels of people. And the Corinth, uh, Corinth, the city of Corinth, was known for being very sexually loose. It was, they grew up in a society that was, very, it was more casual and it was more acceptable to them to express themselves that way than the Jews would have seen acceptable. The Jews, on the other hand, they were known as the chosen people. They worshipped one God. They were heirs to the covenants and promises that God had promised to them. Their status was also important. They wanted to make sure that they were separate from the Gentiles. Um, for the mo uh, or they had a history of being separate from the Gentiles. And for them, they believed that sexual activities were reserved for marriage, and they would have been seen as super rigid compared to the rest of the, the people in Corinth. And then we have slaves who are often seen as less than, um, they were not treated in the same status as regular free people. And oftentimes they were treated poorly. 
Uh, they weren't always treated as well as people who were free. And they, they were just a different class of people in society. But here Paul is talking to this group of people and he's saying that they're one and they're coming together and they're coming together as one body. These very different people were united by the spirit into one body. It wasn't like they, their effort brought them together and made them one. It was the spirit that made them one. Their starting place was unity with one another. Their starting place was oneness together. And their differences <clears throat> were not hindrances. The way that God had placed them into this church body was not something that was going to hinder them. But actually, as, we, as we're going to see, God's plan for the church is to have a group of different people coming together being united and being united. And today, in today's context, the meaning of this passage hasn't changed, although the place and the people definitely have. Uh, we, in, today's, in, our, in today's context, we still are a group of different people that come together as one church body. We recently just had this series called Conversations in which we took different groups of people from our church and had conversations about what it was like for them to engage with, with the gospel with, with, with it and with the church. We talked to single people, married people, teens, and also parents. And that's just a small variety of people who, are, who come into the church. The church is made up of so many different people. And it was really good just to hear their perspectives. Some of the things that they enjoyed about uh, how, they, how they were in the church and how, some of the struggles that they faced being in, in a certain group, like being single or being a teen. So we have this group of people who are coming together. And although that they're all, even though that they're different, they're called together to be one in unity. And, they're, and they are in the spirit. God made them that way. So in talking, and, and you know, I was talking to, about this with Rob, and we kind of talked about how um, the church can kind of be, can, can be compared to like a marriage um, in some ways. And one of the ways that we were thinking in particular was how in a marriage, there's two people that, oper- that, are, that are coming together to make a union and to be one together. But these are two different people who come together with, with imperfections. They come together, and while they attempt to do this thing together, they're going to face challenges. <clears throat> and church is not so different than that. We are a large group of people who are not perfect. And we're coming together to try to do something holy together. So from Paul, we learn that we begin in unity in the Spirit when we accept Christ's death, uh, life, and, and, and his, his resurrection. When we trust in Him for salvation, we're filled with the Spirit, and we begin in unity as the body of Christ. But we also need to work to, keep, to preserve that unity. And doing that on our own is not, is not possible. You know, a marriage doesn't work if only one person is working on it. It's not, a good, it's not going to be a good marriage. A family that has a, a member in it that isn't working towards unity isn't going to experience, the, isn't going to experience unity in, in their family. And a team that relies on one player while everybody else is looking at ladybugs on the grass isn't going to be a winning team. Each member in a family, a marriage, or a team needs to work together, and it's not different within, it's not different with the church. The church needs to come together to work as one. <clears throat> and Paul kind of continues in 1 Corinthians here to show us how this works. He, t- he kind of highlights the different parts of the body. And so we're going to continue in our reading of 1 Corinthians today. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to be continuing from verse 14. And he kind of highlights how these t- how the church body is to work together in two different parts. And in this first part, when we, when we read 14 to 20, he's highlighting how each member has a part to play 
and is gifted differently. So why don't we read together 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14 to 20. And this is what it says. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it less, any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? Where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but yet one body. And so here he, Paul is emphasizing how each member has a part to play. Each part is a different member of the body. We all have a different function. And that God has placed these parts in the body. God knows what the body needs. And he places us there on purpose. He gives us the gifts that we have on purpose to fulfill the, the role that we have in the, in the body of Christ. <clears throat> in the second part that we're going to read today, Paul highlights how not only do we have our individual gifts and abilities and how God has placed them into the body, but how we are, how different gifts are not less than other gifts and how we are not to, to look down on people because of the different gifts that they have. So let's continue in verse 21. It says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor, again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If any member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And so Paul is kind of setting this up, and he's saying that each person has a different part, and nobody has the right to say that because your part is different than mine, you don't belong to this part of the body. Every person who accepts Christ and has been given the Spirit has been given a gift by God and has been placed in the body by God to fulfill a role. And he kind of gives the example of the human body and how he, he, he talks about the different gifts. So he talks about presentable parts. When we think about the body, the presentable parts would be parts that you see. So you see what do you normally see on a person, like the face, the hands. The presentable parts of the, of the body of Christ may be people like one of the ones that, who teach, the speakers or those who do the worship, people that you see regularly. Those are presentable parts. You see them all the time. But then he talks about different parts. He talks about the weaker parts, or the ones that seem weaker, and he calls them indispensable. He talks about the ones that we, that we think are less honorable and how those are given special honor. And he talks about those that are unpresentable and how they are given special modesty. Going back again to my time in Bangladesh, um, we had a time where we went to a certain village. And in this village, um, a mother brought forth her son to be prayed for. And very obviously, her, her son had some, had some mental uh, incapacity. He was, a little bit, he, had, he was a little bit mentally challenged. And uh, he, she asked for us to pray for him and, and to see if we could heal him. And so we spent some time praying for him. And, you know, nothing drastic happened. He, he didn't change. He didn't 
from our, from what we could tell, he wasn't healed from what was what was going on in his mind. And later on, I felt called to to go and talk to this mom again, and just communicate that you know I also had brothers that have mental disabilities. I have two brothers who have autism. And for me, myself, I've often struggled with the, with the thought of, like, where do my brothers fit into the body of Christ? Like, why has God made them? What purpose do they have? And we're told that every person in the body has a, has a function. They're all parts of the, they're all members of the same body. And I got to, to just talk to this, to this mom, and I just got to, to tell her that, um, you know, I didn't know why her son didn't get healed or why um, why he was the way that he was. But that oftentimes people who are who seem weaker, the ones that we have that are that require special care, are, are can be tremendous gifts. I know my brothers, um, they're awesome. I absolutely love them. And they've brought our family so much closer together because we were required to care for them together. And so when we consider the weaker parts of the body and the less honorable and the unpresentable, we have to acknowledge that they're placed there for a purpose. And we don't always know what that reason is, but they're not less than the rest of the body. They're not less than someone who teaches or someone who worships, someone who takes care of those who are in need are, are, just, are, just, as, are just as vital to the, to the body. The, the, you know, the, the Bible says that those who seem weak, weaker are indispensable. Anyway, if you think of those who are unpresentable, I, often, I, I right always think of like the sound team at church. When you're at church and you're, and you're enjoying the service and everything is going well, it's all good. And the sound team doesn't really want to be seen. They're kind of in the back and they're making things happen, but you don't see them. They're the part that's not, that's not seen. Unless something goes wrong, in which case everybody looks at them and they're like, oh no, please don't, please don't. And so they're like, when we think of parts that, are, are, that, we, take, that we take care of differently, we see different parts function behind the scenes more than those that are in front of, or that are more apparent. <clears throat> but in, this, in, this, in these verses, God says that he puts the body together and he gives greater honor to those that lacked it. And the reason why this, that he does this is that so that there's no division and that there's equal concern for one another. And it's interesting to think about how God would give greater honor to the parts that lacked honor. And we don't have time to get into all of that today, but um, we, can, we know that God's uh, intention, and the way he wrote through Paul here, is that each part functions, and each part is vital to the body of Christ. And even those that we don't necessarily see or we think are weaker, we cannot tell them that they do not belong just because their position is different. <clears throat> We're meant to be this body of people who work together in unity. And when we don't do that, there are some things that happen. When we don't function with our individual gifts, we prevent the body from functioning properly. We don't, we don't, we don't contribute, and that, that position is either void or is filled by somebody who maybe doesn't have that gift. I think we see a good example of this in Acts 6, verses 1 to 7, in which case um, the apostles are, are leading this church, and the church is growing, and there's this dispute that arises because the widows of the Hellenistic Jews weren't being taken care of properly during the food distribution. And the, the apostles get together and like, we don't have time to do this. Like our, our role is to, is to uh, teach and to devote ourselves in prayer. If we do this job and we watch these tables, we're not gonna be able to do that. And so what they do is they gather the people together and they appoint seven people who they say are filled with the Holy Spirit to watch these tables. 
And as this one part of the body functions, we see that the apostles are now able to function in the part that they are that they are that they are in. And so we see how the body, when filled, when the body members are working in 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 their position, how it enables the rest of the body to function. And so when we say to ourselves that we don't have a gift that matters, or we withhold our gift from the church at large, what we're actually doing is we're we're damaging the body. We're not allowing it to run properly. And oftentimes what we can see happening is that we rely too much on certain members to do too many things. You know, those who see the need will try to fill the, fill the gaps, but they don't, they're not necessarily the best ones at it. For example, uh, a pastor may not be the best, the best person to put into a nursery position, or a greeter may not be the best person to make a speaker. Um, each person has a different function and there's meant to function in how God has placed them. And I'm not saying that you can't try different things, and, 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 but I am saying that God has gifted us all individually to work in, in, in coordination with each other in the gifts that he has given us. Another thing that we can do that damages the body is when we don't acknowledge or we discount the giftings of others. We cease to function properly. And not only do we cease to function properly, but we also dishonor God because he's the one who places us in the body. He's the one who gives us the gifts and he's the one who places us in the body to function. And he knows what the body needs. If we tell them that they, do, they don't belong or that they, their gifts are not valid or that maybe not valid is not the right word, but maybe that their gifts are not um, useful, what we're really saying is that God, made, that, God, that God didn't do the right thing or that we dishonor him because we disregard the gift that he's given this person. And if God is the one who gives us our gifts and places us in the body, we have to take care to honor each other in that. Otherwise, we dishonor both the person and God in the process. So how do we, how do, we do this? What, if, how do we function in the body properly? I think that there's two things that you can do. The first thing is that we can get equipped. There's a very real possibility that you may not know what your giftings are in the church. You may, never have realized, you may have never realized that you have giftings in the church or that you have a part to play in it. That's a very real reality. But the truth of what we've read today is that we know that those who have accepted Christ, those that are filled with the Spirit, that God puts them in the body and gives them a function. So if you've never known what your giftings are or if you haven't realized what your part in the, in the church is, I think that one of the first things you can do is to get equipped. Talk to a fellow believer. I would say talk to a trusted fellow believer about the giftings that they have seen in you and have been given to you by God. And then take some time to pray about it. Um, they might be wrong, they might be right, but ask somebody to help you realize the giftings that you have. Another thing that you can do is that we have a resource that you could use uh, called uh, Kazone. And actually there's a website that you can, that you can go on to. It's called kazone.com and it's spelled C-H-A-Z-O-W-N. This is a great resource to kind of find out where your spiritual gifts are and how God has placed you and, and kind of what, what the future might look for you if you, if you um, continue in those gifts. And once you know what your giftings are, once you've talked to some people about it, once maybe you've gone to Kazone and you've taken the test and you've seen what kind of where your giftings might lie, I would encourage you to approach a leader in the church to help you equip you for that role. Just because you know what your gifting, giftings are doesn't mean you're fully ready to, to move into that position. 
And Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 12, clearly indicates that the apostles, teachers, shepherds, evangelizers, prophet, and prophets are there to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The people who are your leaders, they're, meant to, they're there to equip you. And so talk to one of your leaders and, and ask them how they can equip you to do, uh, how to move in, in, inside of your giftings. Once you've done that, and maybe that's something you already know and you're already involved in the ministry, and that's great. I think another thing that we can do for one another as we move towards each other in the body is to encourage someone else in their gifts. In their gifts, sorry, not their gifts. Encourage someone else to, in their gifts that God has given them. You may know some people who are really gifted in administration and they're really good at keeping things in order. Why not encourage them and tell them like, hey, look, God has given you an amazing gift in, in this. Or maybe you know somebody who's super hospitable and just makes everybody feel super welcome. They may not know that they have this gift and you telling them may make all the difference. Hebrews 10 verse 24 says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let's, let us consider how we can spur each other on towards love and good deeds. Something that we can do. This could also be a conversation that you have at home after this message. And just to talk about as a family. Or as spouses. Or as whoever you're gathering together with. Talk about how you talk about the giftings that God has given you that you've noticed in each other, that you've noticed in yourself. Encourage your friends at work or your co-workers. Encourage the believers in their gifts. And I think a really important thing to realize is that, to remember that you're not alone in this. It's not up to you uh, to do all of the work of the church. Uh, God has given you special gifts. And what God has united in the spirit and, form, and formed together is his plan for the church. He's planned for, these, for this different group of people who have so many differences to come together and be united together. He unites us in the spirit, places us in the body, gives us our gifts. And so it's not so much about what we have done, but what he has done for us. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for so much for today. Lord, thank you that you have given us gifts that you have seen fit. Lord, that you have united us in the spirit so that we can be one together. Not just you, you and us, but also us together with you. Lord, as you place this in the body, would you help us to realize what our giftings are? And Lord, would you enable us uh, to have the courage to step forward in them? Lord, I just pray for everybody who's watching this today. Um, would you give us a, an emboldenment to know what our giftings are and, and to step out in them? Knowing that you have ordained us to work in the church for your glory. Lord, we thank you so much for today. We pray this in your name. Amen.